0: Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related. Brought to you by the Battle Chipper and Comic Legend. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is the Nicole Lamb, what up? Chris Caso, hello, and of course, Mister Cool Hornaday. How is everybody this fine? We're so <laughs> manipulative and manipulated. That's
1: yeah. right. We yeah. played you like a fiddle, and you loved every moment of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I would like to thank Chris casso for that little bit. Of- Comedy right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: not appropriate for the podcast, so we'll refrain from repeating. However, it was very, but
0: it isn't. So Um, it's in
1: a it's a line in a
0: comic book that made you
2: laugh. It is, but (laughs) out of context, it was like, oh, you got me. Um Hey, before we roll on, I wanted to, to make a comment I didn't do um the last two sessions that we're recording this evening. So if you recall, like a couple of months ago, I um I took a pretty furious um how do I say this? I took a pretty furious dump on um, the Umbrella Academy, <laughs> uh, the comic book, um, and I got and I uh, said some, you know, very uh, characteristically snarky and nasty things about Gerard Way. And um, well, I got to tell you, I watched a, I watched the entire. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Did I, did I split you <laughs> open? just
0: you me power, mess? power through, <laughs> brother. Power, <laughs> through. power <laughs>
2: through. Okay, you, you need to have back. a moment. I got <laughs> Yeah, I did, didn't did, I? Did. Okay. Oh, and he's crying. Why yeah. are you crying, Chris? Um, anyway, I watched the entire Umbrella Academy series on Netflix, and I loved it. In fact, I got really excited about it. Um, and I'm actually going to go back and reread all the comic books that I said crummy things about, because I want to go back and, and re-examine what it was that um, that pissed me off about the comic book. But I also want to take a closer look at, at how the showrunners unpacked that source material and delivered what I thought was actually uh, a bit cliched and, and heavily troped, but still a thoroughly enjoyable um, story about a superpowered dysfunctional family. Um, uh, I loved all the characters in the TV series. Uh, the musical interludes. Are are like superb, um, and they, they 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 pulled out stuff from the comic book that I didn't see as being um, valuable or genuine, and turned it into something really great. Now the takeaway is that the Umbrella Academy TV series is a dark version of the X Men. In fact, we even do the Dark Phoenix. And I was reading it. I was reading an, uh, uh, a criticism of the of the TV series today about how. You know, we're we're revisiting the Dark Phoenix thing, and it's a story about you know women not being able to find empowerment without being manipulated and being self-destructive, which is the story of the Dark Phoenix, and it's the story of Vanya in in uh, Umbrella Academy. Uh, but I still really enjoyed it. I saw new things and things that we've seen before, and I don't think it's a bad thing. So thank you for indulging me. I wanted to go there.
1: How, how long has it been since you read the comic?
2: Well, I'm you know, the current uh, Hotel Oblivion is still running. I just read the last most recent two issues this last week. And so I'm kind of now looking at the comic book uh, through that filter. But I do plan to go back and reread all of the, the previous series.
1: And has it been like a decade or?
2: Well, how long has the series been? Going on and off. Uh,
1: I mean, I feel feels like,
2: like eight years at something least, something like that. It? Okay, so you read seven. it when it came out. Yeah, I've okay. been reading it all along. Gotcha. Okay. My my biggest beef with way is is what he's done. He did with Doom Patrol. I just thought that was just a waste of my time and money. So, but anyway, we don't need to go back there. We don't need to go back there. I'm trying to teach myself some new things. So thank you, thank all you right, for indulging uh, me.
0: You're welcome. And if you want to revisit Cole's initial review of the Umbrella Academy, you can go to uh, episode 207 at perfectbumpodcast.com. I actually had someone PM me on Facebook and say, so-and-so
2: said... All
1: right, Cole. Yeah. You furiously dumped and now you had this... (laughs) What's going on in this episode? (laughs) Nothing.
2: What did they say to you, Cole? off.
1: Continue.
2: Oh, they they were like, you know, I... so, So... my point being that, that people are listening to the episode and then passing word along to people who aren't actually listening to the webcast or the podcast. That's my point. So she hit me up and she said, well, what do you think of I heard through the grapevine that you really hated the comic book. What did you think of the, the web series? So
0: ah, that well, was my point. I like the fact that word, word about our show is getting around. Yeah. So That was my point. <laughs> anyway, thank you Cole. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, Batman uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which has been announced. I didn't know there was a Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or 1. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, what's that crossover like? I have not read them. Um,
2: I thought you reviewed the first one. Uh, it was a uh, while ago. Uh, ooh, or I maybe I reviewed it. Maybe I read it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, th- because there were,
3: it feels like there were actually three already, but one company did one differently. One's done in the animated style, but mm-hmm. one of them's done in like normal current comic style. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the third version of that. Yeah. And they look they look like fun because they get parts where a bunch of the Batman villains turn turn into mutants. Right. Um, and like Bane shows
2: up and Shredder and da-da-da-da. Uh, they, 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 get, they get doused in the mutagen. I think so. And then yeah. become, you know, funny animal versions of themselves. Yeah. Penguin becomes a penguin. We're right. Uh-oh. I think my criticism, the original one, was that it was more... Ninja Turtles animated series sensibility than say like you know Snyder Batman. Sure, right. or, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, the artist who does them is an interesting, interesting uh, style for it too. I do like his style. Freddie E. Williams II. Yeah, and uh, he actually does um, videos online with another uh, crew of reviewers that I, I really like his, him talking about stuff there too. So, hmm. uh, so yeah, he gets more work, <laughs> and uh, so yeah. No, there. I, I will sit down and try and read them at some point.
0: Right. Uh, it's going to be a, a part three is going to be a six issue series. It's going to see Batman and the Turtles battle Krang, and uh, uh, Kevin Eastman, one of the co creators of the Turtles, is going to contribute some variant covers to the series. So that's exciting. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. As well as uh, some interior artwork in some of the, some of the later issues. So Eastman coming back to the Turtles. Yes. Cool. Glad to see that happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, there's going to another crossover that uh, crossed my path. Was uh, Ghostbusters and Transformers? They're gonna team up this summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that, that blows my mind. Two yeah. great taste taste great together. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll yeah. see about. Well, uh, well the, the, <laughs> please be good. Please be good. Yeah. Please be
3: good. The reason they're doing it is because they already made a toy of Ecto One uh, turning Ooh. into a oh, transformer. That's mm. right. Yeah, and uh, so. This is this is that whole IDW um, Hasbro thing where like we gotta gotta get our synergy <laughs> going, our corporate synergy. And I think there might be like one more toy coming out of it because in the giant uh, image of the Transformers and Ghostbusters, there's still a blackout of one character. So maybe there's another toy that they don't want to give mm. away yet. Um, but the thing about that that was just like, oh, okay, I'll have to read you. <laughs> is that they're dealing with the ghost of Starscream. Which in the cartoon series was a thing after the original movie where he died and later on came out because robots can have a ghost. And it's just like, okay, you're doing that. And I think one of yeah. the new posters has him as the ghost in the, uh, the circle with the X out. And mm-hmm. it's him doing the, kind of the, the movement of trying <laughs> mm-hmm. to get out of it. Just nice. like, well, you earn many points
2: there.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So they're doing it well.
0: <laughs> yeah, Here's the if you're
1: gonna do it, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: uh, it's as yet untitled and uh, it's gonna run for five issues starting in June. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it feels like it's a long ways away, but June is coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. speaking of Ghostbusters, um, just because I like Ghostbusters, um, there's, uh, there's gonna be another film. What? Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, I they heard had recently. a teaser
1: trailer not too long ago. Oh, do they? Yeah. So
0: Jason Reitman, who's uh, original Ghostbusters director, Ivan Reitman's son, he's going to helm what they're calling Ghostbusters 3. Uh, this article from CBR.com is basically just getting a reaction from everybody who was involved in the reboot that was in 2014. 2015?
3: Was it that long ago? I thought
0: it was 2016. Oh, it was 2016. I keep forgetting what year it is. (laughs) All right, so everybody seems to be somewhat uh, okay with it. Um, Melissa McCarthy, who starred as Abby Yates, has uh, reacted to the new film, giving it her seal of approval. Um, Paul Feig? 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 Feig. Paul Feig, uh, he can't wait to see Reitman's take on the Ghostbusters universe. Leslie Jones is the only one... Uh, who had something negative to say, um, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's basically going to not acknowledge, I guess, the 2016 reboot and just be the third movie in the series. The original. You know. So, are
1: they recasting to try to have the same characters?
0: No but, like, with details. Young... Okay. No details. Yeah, no t- t- details have been uh, given. It's going to have a 2020 release, so they better get on that.
1: What did Leslie Jones say?
0: She said, um, <laughs> it's like something Trump would do. Okay. I don't know what context no. she said that no. in, but that's all it's quoted quoted in this article.
3: I feel that this go, the, the 2016 Ghostbusters created many knee-jacky reactions from either side. Mm-hmm. That if you decide to do something that's not that one, then you're automatically a uh, chauvinistic Ben. Um, mm. and, then, and then on the flip side, if you if you you know wanted this one to come back, then you might not have good taste. Uh, so it just it feels like that made everybody angry, no matter what.
1: Yep. It was <laughs> yeah. fine. It just was a very formulaic script. There was nothing really interesting about it. But I liked the cast, and mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. seeing the ghosts. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was fine. But it mm-hmm. wasn't. They didn't really have a good. Script to work from, I don't no. think.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember I, so. I saw it after Ben saw it, and I, correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm paraphrasing you, one of the, your criticisms I remember you saying was like, it was fine, but you know, you get the joke. And as soon as you get the joke, mm. uh, it's it gets tired <laughs> after. Sounds like that. something I would say. Yeah, mm. and and I felt that way going into it. Um, I also had some literary issues with it that maybe because I'm too brainy sometimes when I go into this stuff.
1: Oh, my brain's too big. My brain's too this. big, and I and I
2: think I may have voiced this, this criticism of before. It's like you're going to tell us a story about these these female versions of the Ghostbusters, and they start the story with the ghost of a crazy woman in the attic, and I'm like. That's a, that's, a, you know, that's a literary feminist trope, is that taking the hysterical woman and, and putting her in the is <laughs> there yellow wallpaper in that and attic? Yellow wallpaper, right. And they start the movie with that element, and then they don't do anything with it. And the, and the female characters don't even recognize, you know. And I'm like, was this, was this an idea from an earlier script that got buried? Because I was all of a sudden really excited about what was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. Yeah, And that's yeah. me overthinking it, but, you know, you can't miss... Somebody knew what they were saying, or trying to say, or started to say. Well,
1: that's the thing; that's yeah. where it falls flat, yeah. right? Yeah. And and it just got so much publicity over the fact that there were women in the movie right. that, you know, that's it was f- it was getting doomed to begin with, and then being mediocre, it just put the nail in the coffin. All the
2: characterizations were terrific. The reversal of having um,
1: the sexy lamp that was in there, yes. the male sexy lamp
2: that was great. Oh, you Thor, know, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, all those things were terrific. But it's like. But you're telling us the story we already know, you know, and that's I think what frustrated me the most is like, use these characters, let's do this thing, tell us something we don't know. But when you're talking about a big budget, uh, you know, um, Hollywood
0: film studio production, they're not
2: going to take risks. They don't want to take. Their they're risks. not going to take. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I I have my opinions on what I thought they should have done with an all female Ghostbusters, but. Uh, that's past. What I would love to see is in um, Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters to marry the two worlds somehow. I would love that.
3: Yeah. I would
2: love that. Um, now, supposedly, you know, there's the Blu ray version of the, the all female version that's like what. Twenty minutes, thirty minutes longer, and people kept telling me, "This is the version you got to see." And it's like, "Well, that's great, guys, but I don't have access to that. I don't have a Blu-ray player. Oh, yeah. I don't know where to find it." You know, um, but but <laughs> numerous people said that's the version you need to be seeing, and I'm like. That's what they
1: said about Batman versus Superman, and (laughs) I spent three hours watching that trash pile.
2: And you know what, I love you that you you took that hit for me. I'm grateful to you. There was
1: no detective in that movie, none. No detective skills, zero. They were first level at best. Mm -hmm. My mother's name is Martha.
3: Computer, answer this question for me.
1: (laughs) Who wrote this letter? I'm mad at them.
0: Who's Superman's mom? (laughs) Uh. Anyway,
1: I don't know how you move on for there. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Well, just,
0: uh, speaking of movies, of man, speaking of movies, since we're on the movie train, um, seems to be the theme of most of the uh subjects today. How did that happen? A uh, movie that you reviewed uh, last week, Chris, Elite Battle Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's an article here from, from uh, CBR.com that says. Uh, uh it proves Hollywood should adapt more manga properties. Uh-huh. And uh that's that's no secret to you. You really like the film. Yeah. What yeah. What, what other um what's your what's your ideal manga property to be uh made into a movie? Like yeah, my if head explodes. of all of Probably the of all the comic. books <laughs> of all the books on the shelf over there, what would what would you wanna, oh. you know, give an unlimited budget to? I mean I do love Me Some Delicious in Dungeon,
3: but I do love To Your Eternity.
1: Mm, that could That'd be good. Be good that one. could be more like a good TV show, though, maybe. Yeah, it could but, be.
3: Yeah, it would be very but, long form.
1: Um, Plan- Planetes. Yes, that, that could be
3: would done be in a movie. That would be perfect
1: because that's like real world sci fi. Yes. It's just two volumes. It's just really good. That
3: would be affordable. Yeah. It would
1: be affordable. Yeah. yeah Planetus would much. be
3: probably towards the top. I think you could condense that into one two hour
2: movie. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a good one. But yeah. um, I'm getting the impression, though I haven't seen um, uh, Battle Angel Alita, that you know the comic book property is going to be drying up here pretty fast, so they're going to be moving, film studios are moving on to exploring manga and whatnot because we have the technology. Yep. But also, you know, some of these properties they've already experimented with have been pretty disastrous, like the, you know, the whitewashed version of Ghost in the Shell. Um, and that, you know, that film just you know came and went because it was so poorly received. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my concern, is that in adapting these, you know, how much cultural sensitivity is going to be practiced yeah. and i think it was when you were reviewing um battle angel Alita*. one of the things you pointed out it's like you've read the comic book and there's also the anime series um so there's a lot of comic book you've read the manga and there's the anime series but there's so there's like these multiple proving grounds of making the series work like there's the original was it a tomo um ghost in the shell mm-hmm. and then there's uh the standalone complex anime series, so, yeah. where these ideas these ideas kind of get pounded out and shaped and, and 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 proven before they would maybe go on to a feature film. Right. Um, and I think that's an that's that's a good thing in a lot of ways, but it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. <sighs> what is my question I lost my question (laughs) it's okay because I'm good at that while you were doing that that. I'll stall for you (laughs) I was thinking of a couple others so there's already a
3: uh, thing on Netflix it's called Gantz and this is like a CGC movie of it CGI CGI movie but is it graded (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that would be actually a pretty interesting one to transfer and it's one that they can like okay well if we had to westernize it we could make it uh just a version of it exists somewhere in the states because mm-hmm. um, it's it's a concept of a group of people being resurrected to fight monsters and aliens um doesn't have to be necessarily in one location in the world um so that would be an interesting one did i give you enough time nope
2: Nope, you did okay. great. Let's okay. just let's just go in your direction and forget I ever you know <laughs> set my foot on the path. We'll probably be happier oh, for sad. it. Yeah. Um, uh,
3: there has been talk of a, 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 a Akira movie. Akira? I thought that um, was a definite.
2: That but that point. was the
3: one that everybody's very afraid uh, of, absolutely. Because the funny thing is, there there is one character in there that sh- is a white man, and it's like I bet you that's the one they're going to miscast somehow as well, um, and not have the one American person be American, and then they're also whitewash everybody else by accident. Sure. Well, and um, it's
1: in Tokyo, isn't in it? Tokyo. Like Neo Tokyo. It's Neo Tokyo. So I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, there's other mangas that don't exist within you know even our realm or something like right. that. So you could do any. you could cast anyway so you just have to make sure you're appropriate to the material that
2: one i'm afraid of because i i love uh uh, the original film and then i finally after years of searching i know they're all back in print but for a long time the the original series in english was out of print and i managed to track all those down because for years people had told me the story is much more involved than the movie and yes of course it is because it's manga and uh, I love the the complete series of Akira. It's 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 really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, an Americanized version of that would actually, if it's done wrong, would pretty deeply offend me. Yeah. Did Attack on Titan start out as a manga? Yeah. yeah. Yep. How was that movie? I've not seen it. You, you um, not I've seen, it? seen the live action version. How before. was that? Um, I've seen. Uh, I uh, I enjoyed it. It was weird. Um, I've only watched <laughs> a little. It should be. Yeah. yeah. It should um, be. Yeah. It's. Those giant zombies are really creepy. Yeah. And to have them be, um, uh, uh, they weren't, they were real people that were, you know. Makeup and prosthetics, super, you know, yeah. cgi into interacting with little bitty people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a two-part movie. They had a limited cinematic release, and um, I waited patiently for them to come out on DVD. They weren't streaming. Um, but, you know, I have very little familiarity with the manga, and I only watched bits of the anime series when it was on Cartoon Network. So my entry point, my complete entry point, was actually the live-action film, mm-hmm. which... Um, was a complete story but really what I wanted to find out was who the heck are these giant zombies why are they so difficult to kill I really and maybe it ruins the story because at the end of the four part film or four hour film the two parts you get all the answers and maybe mm. you know that destroys the 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 follow through for any future future stories. Mm. Uh, I found the char- you know, I found the characters to be a little bit tepid, um, but you know, you can't beat these action sequences where they're like, you Jumping know, the they they've got these you know, these cords, th- these guns that they're shooting the and the cords and they're swinging, and they're flying and what they're running with their swords up the thighs of the giants. I'm like, that's really kind of <laughs> amazing. So I dug that. Yeah. Cool. All right. I am a hero. Alrighty. Really? Do you as think it's a TV film? series? You don't think we're TV done, series. You don't think we're done with zombies? Here? Not
1: with this one.
2: I I'm not disagreeing with you. I wanted to propose it because I you know I, there's so few manga that I'm familiar with, but I've only read the first two volumes. I love it, but I'm like, are we done with zombie
3: stories? I think you need to
1: get the right director on it because yeah. you just got to get that tone. And
3: it's also a different type. It's a it's yes. a it's it's expands on what a zombie thing can be is for me it's because they're not flat out zombies to me they're still kind of alive and doing weird stuff Mm -hmm. and there's later volumes no no big spoiler but you get to see things from their perspective once in a while Mm. and that's very interesting um so i i just like that they they created a very interesting unique character Mm -hmm. who has his own flaws that you can easily follow And uh, he's put into these weird situations that his uh, perspective is brought into question constantly. And it's just like, it's all just fascinating.
2: And then you get the horrible things Mm -hmm. on top of that. You know, so, cool. yeah, that would be a good one. And, it's, and it's Japanese body horror at its finest. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. And it has the creep factor exceeds, like, say, Walking Dead zombie oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: And this one would probably not be good for mainstream, but I'd love to see it. It's Girl from the Other Side by the director uh, of The yeah. Witch. Like, Vivi. Yeah, yeah, I witch. think that person would be great for adapting something like The Girl from the Other Side. With mm-hmm.
0: the Jim Hansen
3: Company helping
0: him.
1: get some Muppets in there, guys. (laughs) All
0: right, cool. Well, let's move on. Um, Titan Comics and Alcon Media have announced that this year's, quote, most hotly awaited comic series, and quote will be officially titled Blade Runner 2019. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Blade Runner, but Blade Runner, the original movie, happens this year, Man. takes place in 2019. Uh, but this will be launching this summer, and it's going to be set during the exact time frame of the original film, i.e. this year, and feature a mostly new set of characters and situations. Why do they say it's the most hotly-awaited comic series? Is that uh, just the author of this article <laughs> hyping it up? Is it, like, is it <laughs> Is it the hotly
3: <laughs> awaited one from this publisher? Or uh, is there additional words? publishing it? it uh, Titan it's Titan and...
0: Alcon Media Group. Yeah, yeah
3: like I, I saw this article just recently <laughs> and that's the first time I heard about it. <laughs> I have not had anybody knocking down
0: my door <laughs> no. about like, where's my Blade Runner?
1: No. Yeah. Yeah, just,
0: that sent up a red no. flag for me. No. Yeah. It's a it's basically well, I mean it's a press release, so they're gonna hype it up. Of yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically but it's not it was... a press
2: release written by someone who's familiar with comic books, mm. I'm afraid. <laughs> sure. um, I am curious, just because, you know, I like Blade Runner too. 2049. Uh, 2049. I, I I saw it more than once, that's and that's and that's though that's I'm that's infuriated that's by the persistent use of, you know, digitally mapping, uh, people like Sean Young's face. Um,
0: they're getting better. I will admit they yeah, are getting
2: better. It's uh yeah. It's still weird, but they're getting better. Um, but the rest of the film, you know, not dealing with that character, uh, I loved. Uh, Not loved, but I was intrigued by going back to that world and seeing what has become of it since the last time we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought all the cinematic design was just extraordinary. It was like the original world that was was so... I still feel that if you didn't know who... who, uh, Harrison Ford was you, what you can watch the original blade runner film and it will be timeless for you. If you didn't know how old the actors were, you know, and how old the film is, if you didn't have those elements to date it for you, I still think that visually it's timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they tried to work with that quality in the sequel. Um, it didn't always work, but you know, they tried to make a sequel to blade runner. Y'all <laughs> they I made mean, a sequel, And they did it. They and, did it. and, and, and <laughs> You know, it was it was not a failure in my eyes. It was a noble effort. So I'm curious yeah. about the comic book.
3: Super quick tangent. Uh, I was reading some commentary saying that Blade Runner and Alien exist in the same universe. And everybody on the thread said that was like old news. And I'm like, what?
1: What? Just because
2: what? they're both Ridley Scott? Yeah. No, I think, is there
0: a mention of... um. Uh, oh, Yutani? you Weyland know what? Is there a
3: whaling utani?
0: There might be a whaling utani. I want to say there might be an alien artifact in the room where the dudes making eyeballs. Huh. No, you're thinking of Predator Two, dude. No, I'm not. Th- I mean, I know that happens too. When am I not thinking of Predator Two? <laughs> Just think about it right now. <laughs> hey, I love that movie. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, nothing, I, yeah. I I think yes. I think I did. I have heard that, but I, I didn't really put too much credence on it. Interesting. Okay. So, oh, okay. But, but you got abused by the people on Reddit. No, I didn't it. talk about. It. I don't okay. interact with people online. <laughs> what? Okay.
3: Okay. All right. Okay. okay. I just saw the thread and I was like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. So, yeah, Blade Runner 2019 coming out sometime this year. Let's move on to book report, everybody. Okay, And, uh, Nicole, let's start with you. What do you want to tell us about?
1: I didn't clear this with you. Did you review this one yet? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, so, Miles Morales Spider-Man, number one by Saladin Ahmed, has come out. In fact, three issues have come out. And um, uh, this is the first time... That oh. I dropped it on the floor. Oh,
0: what a bummer. It won't be the last. <laughs> that was the first printing.
1: Oh my god, it's crinkled. Okay, um, uh, first time Bendis isn't writing it. He said his goodbyes, and I finally made it through that last arc so I could be fresh and ready for Saladin. What's that?
3: Sorry, super quick thing. So this—I just realized that this is the first time that you know Bendis is not doing the main title, and then uh, Saladin's also taken over Miss Marvel. I was going to yes. say. So yeah. all I could figure yeah. is like, isn't there like a bird that steals the eggs from other birds and hatches them? Saladin <laughs> <laughs> just that bird. It's, it's, that, it's, a, it's a mockingbird. I'm gonna take your baby. <laughs>
1: Except everyone's in on the conspiracy, they're and they're like, at noon, you will come take my baby. I'm going over here and make another baby. Yes, yeah. Yes.
3: Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I liked this
1: tangent. Please send your fan fiction of this bird to <laughs> Nicole at com. Okay. Anyway, um, so new creative team, new direction. It's your new favorite book. Um, so as I was reading this, if you've never read Miles Morales, it will give you, you know, enough to go on. Um, to jump into it. And as I was reading it, I was looking at the art and I was like, gosh, Garen, Javier Garon." I was like, where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? I mean, he's he's done a lot of work. But he did um, the um, Battle Battleworld um, arc that I really liked, that was the Limbo one, Inferno. Yeah. Um, and yeah. his art is, I love his art so much. Hmm. And I loved that series and so it got me really excited. Um, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. I yeah. just like his art so much. So it's, you know, still following Miles. There's a character, Judge, who's also his friend, as well as Genki, who's still there. Um, Genki's like a little cooler, though, in this mm-hmm. one, I have to say. Maybe it's just Scarron's like art or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but some kids are getting uh, abducted and being turned into mindless uh, supervillains. Yeah, it's pretty dark automatically. And uh, Miles runs into the rhino and um, he's also looking for a missing kid. Like, they're both, they both know a kid that has gone missing and have found themselves in this one situation and decide to work together. And then in issue two, there's more working together. And then in issue three, Captain America also joins, and they solve the mystery. So um, overall, it was, it was a pretty fun little story arc that uh, we can go through and enjoy. I don't know why it's we. I'm getting tired. Um, so uh, what I really did like was there's some really good Captain America moments in issue three. Like, you know, the supervillain is just like some guy's a dick. No. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <Bleep>. But <laughs> you're to bleep things out, ah. don't you? <laughs> yeah, um, but there... <laughs> There's some really wonderful moments of Captain America because you have to think about Miles. You know, he's still fairly young. He's in high school. He's dealing with family life and school life and trying to balance the superhero stuff. And it can be really hard and really taxing to try to take that stuff on. But you know, Captain America, he's good boy Steve. He comes in there and he just says, you know what? When I was facing down guns, when I, uh, facing down the Nazis, you know, with machine guns at me, you know, I told myself I'm scared, too, and I don't know what I'm doing. But people need me. So I got to, you know, I got to step up. I got to do the right thing. And it's, and Miles says, it's like he has a superpower, but it's just him. Hmm. So it's just these great moments of him interacting with other superheroes and supervillains, because I like it. When, like, when, like, Crusher Creole was dealing with Black Bolt and the Black Bolt series that I love that Saladin did. And so he's bringing these villains in and giving them a lot of heart and actual story development, right?
3: It's one like of my favorite tropes is when a B-level villain is like, hey, I'm bad, but I don't steal children.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they, they,
3: they step in and, like, I'm going to help you for two issues.
1: Yeah. Know? And it's just like, you know, it's like my girlfriend won't talk to me and like some stuff's going bad. But, you know, I I don't I don't want these kids to be in a bad place. You know, I don't know. It, it, It still keeps the heart that Miles Morales, I think, should have as a comic book and brings enough people into the roster that makes it interesting. And it's not just like, oh, here's Miles at school again. Oh, here's Miles dealing with maybe sort of having a girlfriend and keeping a secret identity. It's like freshening it up a little bit as well. So overall, I think it's it's pretty solid. Um, and carries the legacy pretty well. So I hope Garon stays on, because it's uh, it's one of those things, like Fantastic Four had Sarah Pacelli on it, and I love Sarah Pacelli, and now we have Aaron Cuter.
3: Cuter. Cuter. Yeah.
1: And he's fine, but it's not Sarah Pacelli. And it's just the thing that happens time and time and time again, where you get an artist that starts it off, and then they either disappear forever onto another project, or... Or they take a break for, you know, an arc and it's fine. But it's just not what I signed up for, you know. And that just gets, it just never stops being disappointing when those Mm. things happen. And Geron is, I just love it so much. It's so much fun and I think it fits so well for this title that I don't want to see you leave, Javier. (laughs) So that's what I think about that guy. Cool. All the guys. Multiple guys.
0: Good guys. All righty. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Thank you, Nicole. Chris Cassell, what do you got for us? So I I don't think I reviewed the first issue,
3: um, so I'm just going to catch up real quick through Outer Darkness by John Layman and Afu-chan. And he did this as... uh, John Layman talked about how he really likes uh, sci-fi horror, and he quoted stuff like Event Horizon. And so he's like, I want to do one of those. And so it's essentially evil Star Trek, and I love it. <laughs> um, because basically, once we started exploring deeper space, it's just full of demons and possessions and horrible things. So all spaceships need exorcists on their ships now. And the main character is a... Um, a captain who's going to basically be sentenced to prison for life for um, not following orders. But then he's released and they're like, well, we have a suicide mission and we know you want to go to this certain part of space. So it happens to be there. So go on suicide mission for us. And so they put him on like a new high class ship and... Uh, um, everyone hates him completely. And the thing is he deserves their hate because he doesn't care for them as people, but he also is always right about everything because he's smart. And uh, the interesting thing is each issue now is uh, delving deeper into all the uh, crew. And uh, there's, like, one member of the crew who is actually a possessed demon, and he's hiding. And there's another character who uh, was a demon god from another planet who was banished. And, like, nobody knows this about him. He's just an alien with no memory. And the captain never remembers his name, so he's just like, it's Chief Navigator Alox. And so he's just trying not to kill all the humans. And uh, the first captain is is always undermining, or the first officer is always undermining the captain. And like, he actually has. Uh, some moral codes, but the captain's always right about the things he's predicting. So it's just very interesting character um, interactions, an interesting setting, an interesting world where where science and technology meet. And I forgot to mention the engine of the ship is a ancient Mesopotamian demon, um, and they have to give it sacrifices every once in a while so it'll power the ship.
1: <laughs> like you do.
3: Like you do. Um, the art is by Afuchan who worked on uh, Spirit. Which is a book I really liked, and uh, it's it just does great work with aliens and an interesting color palette. I just really, really engaged with the book right now. So uh, we're
0: four issues in, and I do recommend Outer Darkness. Cool, cool. Thank you, Chris. And finally, Mr. Cole Hornaday, what do you got for us? Well, I'm gonna sort of like
2: do a review of the entire Little Depressed Boy series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it brief. Just a little uh, review. Just a little review. Um, so, Little Depressed Boy, give you a little back personal backstory. Um, uh, our, our friend Jim Jewell went to the, uh, I think it was Half Price Books, uh, paper bag sale a couple months back. I never make it to those. I don't need to because Jim goes there and gets the best stuff for me <laughs> or shares it with me, which mm-hmm. is all, you know, because he gets he, he also, it's too early on a Saturday morning, y'all. I'm not gonna uh, get up and go in there with my brown paper bag and forage. I'm not in the mood, I'm gonna sleep. So he came back with issue with the with the the first two trades of Little Depressed Boy. He handed them to me at the college and he's like, you gotta check this out. And I'm looking at going, I do not want to read your sad little emo comic book, Jim. I don't want to read it. So I read the first one. I'm like, oh, this is really charming. Because what I didn't realize is that, you know, I was in the mood for something that was a much smaller scope. So the story of Little Depressed Boy, uh, it's written by um, uh, S. Stevens Dribble and drawn by Cinegrace. It's all set in... um, uh, semi-rural... Uh, uh, it's, well, it's Amarillo, Texas. I don't know much about Texas, co- Texan culture. Um, but it's a set in a relatively small college town. Um, and uh, the series was published by Image Comics between 2011 and 2014. There are five... Uh, there are five trades um, that cover like the the mini series and stuff like that. There's an early um, there's like a, a an early like a zero trade before the character was developed. So a little depressed boy. He's in his twenties. All the characters are in their twenties. You think that would turn me off? But I found them to be all beat in incredibly relatable and I got caught up and I wound up tracking down all five volumes and reading the whole series. And um, this is probably a series that would uh, you would think would be more like, you know, fanographics fair, um, but it's not. It's a little depressed boy is it, it's and it's not all about his mental health. Um, it's not fixating on his anxiety disorder or his depression. It's just him going through daily life. He's he uh, he likes his indie rock bands. He likes his comic books. He's he has a big heart, and his best friend is like a a, a sideshow blockhead, um, like the old Jim Rose sideshow stuff from the 90s, or you know hammers a nail in his in his uh, in his face, you know you know at bars and things, and um, and he has. Uh, Not a lot happens in these. (laughs) Little depressed boy, um, he looks like a rag doll. And it's just this conceit that little depressed boy, they call him little depressed boy, or... um, LDB, actually, they all call him LDB, and and they all recognize that he's this rag doll that he's got a mouth that's sewn out of yarn, and every once in a while someone will will talk about him being made out of fabric, and you know, and I think there are probably issues about his fingers and stuff, but you know, he works in a in a movie theater, and um, you know, he just lives day to day, doesn't go to school, doesn't have a lot of ambition, um, sometimes it's just enough to get out of the house and go do things, but it's not a lesson in um, in mental health and mental health survival in the modern age. Um, it was just It's just a really charming kind of slice of life story. He meets one girl named Jazz and she's kind of wackadoo. And the more he's dealing with Jazz and he's having the best time with her because she's big and she's boisterous and she's full of energy. And they go out on like four dates and he's thinking, I'm really into this girl. And then they go to a party and she introduces him to her boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm like... I dated that chick. <laughs> I dated that chick. I know that personality. And then he finally, um, by the end of the the, the the series that has been printed, um, I think Struble said at one point uh, in 2016 that the, the book has not been canceled. It's on a hiatus. So he falls in love with a young woman named Jazz who is his manager at the movie theater where he works, which is you know, that's a no-no because no fraternizing. Um, but they they have this really sweet relationship. She's going to college. He works at the movie theater. Um, you know, it's... And not a lot happens beyond you get to know these people and I really like them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, and it was actually really refreshing to read these stories that don't demand a lot of your attention. You know, after dealing with like big epic monster brawls and superhero punch-ups and it's like, wow, I... I I thought this was going to be a waste of my time and it was going to be self indulgent, and I was going to be depressed by reading stories about a little depressed boy. (laughs) But I actually found it to be invigorating, charming, and uplifting. And if you can find the books, um, they're all out of print, uh, Mm -hmm. but they're not particularly valuable and they're not hard to find, and I do recommend them.
0: Oh, that's quite the plug for a little depressed boy. Little
2: depressed boy. Yeah, thank you, Cole. You're welcome.
0: Well, that is Bookport, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by The Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com. And by this point, uh, the episode should be online. So check it out. Eps, uh, issue eight. Zero zero 008 Here Be Kaiju. Here Be Kaiju. Uh, the Perfect Bound Podcast is also brought to you by the Comics Dungeon here at 319 Northeast 45th, Street, Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford. or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. I like 45th Street. 45th Street. Maybe Cole was right. He said maybe we should, uh, right before we began rolling, we should do some warm-ups or whatever. Oh, now just, you take me <laughs> seriously. Some vocal warm-ups. Now I've been doing enough talking. All right. Uh, send us an email. PerfectBoundPodcast at gmail.com. Um, uh, Get your quiz hats on everybody's quiz time. This week the questions come to us from me. What? Uh, We've spoken a lot about the Ghostbusters franchise today, but not about the real Ghostbusters. That's right, the cartoon that lasted from 1986 through 1991. Here are five multiple-choice questions about one of my favorite cartoons from childhood. Number one. It was a good cartoon. Of course, it's based on the 1984 movie Ghostbusters, but the reason the cartoon is called the real Ghostbusters is because why? A, a cartoon set up as, oh, the cartoon set up as canon that the movie was based on them instead of the other way around. B, because another company had the rights to the name Ghostbusters for an animated cartoon, but not all derivations of, or C, to convince children the cartoons are real. B. Do you say B? What do you say? Uh, A and B. You both are correct. It is A and B. All right. Number 2. None of the original actors reprised their role in the cartoon, but one came close. What happened? A. Bill Murray recorded all of Peter Venkman's lines for season one, then decided he didn't want to be involved and made the production company hire an actor to re-record all of his lines. B. Dan Aykroyd offered to do the voice of Ray Stance, but the production company refused because his voice, quote, didn't test well. Or C. Ernie Hudson auditioned for the role of Winston Zedmore. The role he played in the movie but lost it to Arsenio Hall. I think it's number three. It is number... Yeah. it is C. He auditioned, but they gave the role to Arsenio.
2: That's just really <laughs>
0: crappy. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm not that's a good really enough crap. me to be me. Yeah. That's not the first time in Hollywood that's oh, happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> number three, the show boasted a wealth of talent in the writer's room, including what writer who has written for Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Thor? A, J. Michael Straczynski. B, Marv Wolfman. Or C, Tom DeFalco. Hey, J. hey it is J. Michael Straczynski. He also served as story editor and is sometimes credited as Michael J. Strazinski. Yeah. Number four, Slimer was a popular character on the show as the troublesome sidekick. Originally dubbed Onion Head during production of the 1984 movie, Dan Aykroyd always stated the gluttonous Onion Head was what? A, a euphemism for studio execs trying to control the direction of the movie. B, symbolic of Aykroyd's own battle with bulimia. Or C, the ghost of John Belushi. Whoa. <laughs> Uh I want to say A It is not A. It is C. He always said it was the spirit, the ghost of John Belushi, who originally Ackroyd wrote the movie as a vehicle for he and Belushi. Wow. Wow. And finally, number five, ABC brought in a consulting firm called Q5 to make the real Ghostbusters more kid-friendly and merchandisable. This included dropping all references to the occult and introducing teen sidekicks to the uh, and introducing teen sidekicks, the Junior Ghostbusters. Famously, they also overhauled hard talking tough tough-as-nails jersey girl Janine Melnitz into more of a motherly figure, giving her a new conservative hairdo, removing her jersey accent by replacing the voice actors, and swapping her triangle-frame glasses for round ones. What was the reason for the new glasses? A. ABC had just inked a deal with lens crafters, and so her new frames was worked into the story arc that week. B. Round glasses are cheaper to animate, since the animator doesn't need to be consistent with angles, or C. Q5 determined that children are afraid of sharp objects? <laughs> B. I'm going to say B. No, it is C. Q5 what? determined that children are afraid of sharp objects.
1: I would have thought they were drawn to sharp objects.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I watched the last, because it's all available on Netflix. It's mostly available on Netflix. And I watched the last episode available, and she still has her triangle glasses. Uh, so I'm not quite sure about the round one, but I did see a picture of Janine with round glasses. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do recommend
3: uh, watching the episode that's basically all H.P. Lovecraft.
0: They bring in, they bring in the Cthulhu. Excellent. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple episodes. I watched two of them. I watched the one that's basically happens right after the movie ends, and I watched another one that. Um, uh, uh, why did I watch that one? I watched two of them. <laughs> They're back to back. Season one, whatever. Check out the real Ghostbusters. And that is Quiz Time, but that's our show. Thank you for listening and watching, and we will see you next week.
2: Bye bye.